FM. Now here's your hosts, Woot and Y. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Woot and Y show. This is our Moneyball podcast for NFL DFS in week 15. I'm Josh Y. Uh, I've got a, a new special guest host uh, joining me this week. Uh, his name is Jake Henson of Top Better. He's got a long history in the betting industry and DFS, so he's going to bring a, a different perspective to some of the previous guests that we've had on. Uh, welcome. Uh, we've had you on a few times for uh, the Woot and Y show, but never for the DFS podcast, so uh, welcome aboard. Thanks, mate. It's a, it's a pleasure to be invited on. I, I listen in uh, with eager each week, and um, yeah, it's, it's good to be on, and hopefully we can steer the listeners into some solid plays this week. Yeah, so um, it's been a big couple of days for myself uh, and the podcast. It's been a crazy week. Uh, we had Coldplay earlier this week. I had my Christmas party last night, and I just finished work after about three hours sleep, so the pressure's on you, Jake, to carry this podcast tonight because I am... Uh, I am struggling big time uh, uh, in terms of just fatigue rather than uh, any sort of alcohol infliction, but um, we'll see how we go. But uh, I, uh, you know, how I do our program here is the, the guests, you know, put their, their suggestions in first, and then I go second, and uh, a lot of your picks this week were high on my uh, agenda, so I feel like a lot of people are going to uh, appreciate your insight and inputs. Just touching on last week... Uh, it was probably my worst ever week in terms of uh, my tips and suggestions on here. Uh, Russell Wilson and, and that Seattle uh, game really, really let me down big time. But I did hit on Malcolm Mitchell, the Vikings defense, and, and Roberto Aguayo uh, in terms of uh, those lineups. But everything else, uh, I don't really want to talk about it too much. Probably one of my worst weeks ever. But um, as per usual with Moneyball, there's a whole range of uh, contests and, and uh, GPP players available. So you've also got... You've got all the Hail Marys. There's a free entry one, a dollar entry, $2, and the guaranteed prize pool there, $15, $1,000 prize pool there for you. There's the Rams and Seahawks special tomorrow. Uh, there's also a Dolphin and Dolphins and Jets special for the uh, Saturday night game there on Sunday, and then there's also the Monday night football Buccaneers and Cowboys. So that's Sunday night football. Then the Panthers and Redskins on Monday night football, plus plenty of Sunday plays for Sunday only. So plenty of stuff for you on Moneyball, but let's get straight into it with the quarterback position. And Jake, uh, who's your who's your start this week? My start at the quarterback position uh, is probably the safest play on the board for the week, I think, and that's Matt Ryan uh, at home against the 49ers. I just looked at the prices. He's 9100 so he's up the pointy end, but um, in a tricky week, I think he is the safest play across the entire slate. Um, you know, they'll score 30 points plus. You can basically lock that in. I think they're the 29th-ranked DVOA team, San Fran. So safe pick regardless of uh, who lines up at receiver for, for the Falcons this week. Yeah, and we saw them do it last week and just gutter-stomped the uh, Los Angeles Rams. And, you know, Matt Ryan put up good points even though he sat out uh, the entire fourth quarter pretty much. So um, he'll, he'll want to put in a good performance because he knows he's in the thick of the MVP race and they, they need a win to to keep Tampa Bay out of the playoffs and win that division. So it's going to be a crucial game. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a very uh, high floor for you in Matt Ryan this week. Um, I've moved on to – I did like Matt Ryan, but I, I like Tyrod Taylor this week, $8,400, a little bit cheaper than Matt Ryan versus Cleveland. Uh, you know, we Tyrod doesn't throw the ball as much as other quarterbacks, but against uh, Cleveland this year, you know, they've been giving up so many points. Uh, apart from – Ryan Fitzpatrick and uh, Ben Roethlisberger in, in, in terribly windy conditions. Uh, every other quarterback scored at least 20 fantasy points against Cleveland. 
and you're going to get you know rushing from him. Thirty, he averages thirty six point two rushing yards a game, and he has six rushing touchdowns. So, you know, just the rushing yards alone is pretty much you know a free passing touchdown in terms of its points. So I like him this week. It, it's a good matchup. Yeah, that's that's a that's a solid case you made for him. I've uh, I've got some bills that I've targeted throughout the uh, throughout the slate um, for all the reasons you just mentioned and. I'm sure Cleveland will continue to uh, to be a source for many DFS victories. Yes, uh, them and the uh, 49ers in terms of running backs, it seems to be a good lock for uh, for good lineups uh, this week. I'll, I'll move on to my sit position. I, I'm sitting Matthew Stafford at 9,300 versus uh, the Giants, your New York football Giants. Their defense is playing very, very well right now. They've allowed just 13 touchdowns and 13 interceptions this season, and... Uh, Stafford's not worth it with the price and, and the fact that he's got that finger injury as well. I just don't want to do that, especially on the road. Yeah, absolutely. I, I um, he, He's second on my list, I think, and I think it's worth noting with uh, Stafford, I don't think he has played, I think he's played um, only once uh, out of a dome since uh, late October. So we're going back about six weeks. So it'll be a, a rude, rude shock when he steps out into a... The cold New York or New Jersey uh, weather on Sunday, mm. and um, yeah, he, he was the, the second sit I had listed, but the first one I had was uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I think his, his four lowest scores of the season have come uh, in away games or, or road games. It's no secret out there in the industry, really, that um, yeah, not only him, but the, the Steelers sort of underperform on the road. I think they'll lean heavily on Le'Veon Bell, um, especially against. Uh, the division rival Bengals, who kind of have a bit of a second wind. It's they've kind of hit a funny patch in the season. The Bengals, where they're basically bottomed out and were out of the playoff contention yeah. a lot earlier than they would have liked, and now they're kind of just playing for a little bit of pride. And um, I, I, like the Steelers are a very dangerous team, and they've got a really high ceiling. But I think when when they're not on, I think they're they're a bit of a sloppy team. I think they're very vulnerable to getting beaten by. Just about everyone, so um, it's a game I want to steer clear of um, as a whole for Steelers players. I think. Yeah, and I uh, I think a lot of the Bengals are playing to keep Marvin Lewis's job. I think I think a lot of te- a lot of the players know that they underperformed at the start of the year and that he's on the hot seat. And I think that they they like him and that they've they've been a, a good roster for a while now. And I think uh, maybe they're they're playing as you said for a bit of pride there and maybe to keep uh, Marvin Lewis in the building. But I agree with you; they do play down to their opponent a lot and. It, can get a little bit ugly at times. Uh, my contrarian play is Alex Smith, 7,800 versus the Tennessee Titans. Now, you and I often clash over the Chiefs. I know you're a, you've are you always been higher on the Chiefs than myself. I'm a bit of a, a Chiefs doubter, or uh, I think that would be the word, Chiefs doubter. But I like the matchup this week, 7,800 versus Tennessee. Uh, the Tennessee Titans are 27th against the pass this year by number five's scheduled adjusted defensive, defensive passing net expected points metric, which basically means they're bad. And if you want to look at it another way, they're 25th ranked in pass DVOA. So it depends what metric you use, and there's all different ones out there by different um, you know fantasy programs out there. Number five do a pretty good job as well. But uh, I, I like the matchup. Um, they're 30th against fantasy quarterbacks this year, and I uh, think... You know, Vegas expects about 24 points from the Chiefs, so I can see a couple of passing touchdowns, uh, possibly to Tyreek Hill or, or Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and all the points you raised are very, uh, very valid in terms of the Tennessee uh, pass defense, and I think that just goes to show 
how um, I guess how badly the Denver offense is struggling because they could not move the ball last yeah. week to save themselves. Um, and I think, yeah, if you're looking at the the Patriots game this week, I think that was probably my most confident uh, game from a betting standpoint. I think it's just time just to take on that Denver team and um, bet against them, fade them in DFS, do do what you can because. Um, uh, apart from Emmanuel Sanders, who I think had 10 catches on 14 targets, that uh, that team lacked potency um, on, on a high level, and I'm pretty sure Kansas City will be able to score on Tennessee this week. Yep. Uh, um, who's your contrarian play? Yeah, I've got it. Got me contrarian here. Um, Matty Barkley, actually. Wow. There uh, we go. Um, yes. So <laughs> I think it'll definitely uh, tick the contrarian. It's a bold box. strategy, Cotton. Um, 5,600, though, so it's not as if you're... Um, yeah, you, you, you can. I guess you can afford to take less risks elsewhere and perhaps load up on a couple of the the big three running backs if you um want to offset some of the risk with, with Barkley. But the reason why I like him is um, we sort of touched on a couple of teams that are probably a little bit uh, up and down. I think Green Bay is still that way, and, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Chicago play them very close this week. Yeah. Uh, it also would surprise me to see Buckley have somewhere around 40 pass attempts this week um, against a Green Bay team. I think. The matchup sets up well. Uh, we we know Green Bay can play a little bit of no huddle. We know they're going to throw the ball a lot, so he's going to get opportunities. Um, if Aaron Rodgers is on song, they're going to go up, going to go ahead, and Barkley's probably going to have to sling it, you know, through through no choice. And otherwise, I think the Bears still probably want to take their shots on uh, on Green Bay, who are still vulnerable in the air. And I think if you look past, say, the last fortnight. Um, Barkley's stocks in this matchup would be really, really high. I just think that the recency bias of a, a couple of good Green Bay performances probably scared everyone off. But at 5,600, um, I can see him having upwards of sort of 35 pass attempts and he can snare 15 or 16 fantasy points and, and allow us to spend up on some uh, safer picks at running back. Yeah, I, I agree. And he's actually played pretty well. Like, he's actually performed, like, I don't know, it's weird. It's just he's stepped into that offense and has played well. And they've got a lot of injuries and he's thrown to nobodies as well. And he's still managing to, you know, move the chains and, and have some sustained drives. And um, I don't think they're going to roll with Matt Barkley next season, you know, as the starting quarterback, but at least they it gives them options and, and a legit quarterback competition, no matter what direction they go. Um, it's a interesting free agency pool for, uh, for quarterback, uh, you know, in the offseason, we'll, we'll have plenty of talk about that. But, yeah, Barkley can make you just stack your lineup elsewhere. Um, and you mentioned the yeah. big, big three running backs, and I think uh, one of them is your start this week. Well, actually, I, I've, I consider Shady uh, just slightly out of the big three. The big three, well, the big two are definitely Johnson and, um, Bell. and Bell because they're just match-up proof because yep. they, they play three different positions. Um Ezekiel Elliott's probably just slightly in behind them most weeks. Yep. Um, more of the same this week. And then um, Shady's definitely got the best matchup uh, of the four, no doubt. And that's why he is my start at running back. Um, he is premiumly priced at 9100 looking at the prices here. But uh, you get what you pay for. Rex Ryan's job potentially on the line. You can rest assured that if his job is potentially on the line, he'll be going to what he knows and what he knows best. And um, it, it not only will McCoy get plenty of carries on the ground, um, they really struggled to move the ball last week in the snow. I, I think ta- they would have worked on that, and Taylor will be getting rid of the ball earlier to him, um, particularly if Cleveland bring a little bit of pass pressure, which they have done in the past few mm-hmm. weeks. I think it will actually play into McCoy's hands, and he's uh, he's my number one projected back outside of the, the top two who are on their own level at the moment. 
Yeah, and they're you know on they're not that much dearer, but it is you know four hundred dollars. So if that is a difference, it's not not that bad when you've uh, when you still project uh, McCoy to go well. And he's just been the last three weeks, especially you know nineteen point eight, twenty two point six, and twenty eight point four money ball points. So he has literally been money for for uh, his users in each week. Uh, my start's Kenneth Dixon. I like Dixon. 4,200 versus Philly. I loved him at Louisiana Tech. I loved him as a prospect. Um, he's very good trucking ability, and we saw that on display uh, Monday night football against the, the Patriots. And the Ravens trusted him in, in that crucial game, and he had 11 carries for 39 yards, eight catches for 42 yards, and a touchdown on 11 targets. And then, you know, when you look at it, Terrence West only had two carries for two yards and four catches. So they favored Dixon, and they slowly have, and I think the tide turned on Monday Night Football, and the price for Dixon is very, very cheap, and he plays, uh, you know, a, a Philadelphia team that's 21st in DVOA versus running backs in the receiving game. So Dixon's proven to be a reliable uh, pass-catching back, and I think uh, he'll have, you know, five or six catches. He's had at least four catches now in four of his past five games, and now that I think he'll be on the field a lot more, I can see uh, him uh, catching a lot of passes and, and making some people miss and, and possibly finding the end zone again. Uh, and I think he's a he's a good price uh, this week against Philly. Yeah, no, it, it, all, all good points raised there. And I think um, if you are going to play one of the one of the big three, he's sort of one of the guys you're going to have to um, to pair them with, so you can have some cash left over at the positions. Um, my sit for this week at the running back position is going to come in the same game um, that you've just spoken about. That is Philadelphia running backs in general, whether mm. Sproles plays or not. Uh, I don't really care. Ryan Matthews isn't a worthy start either um, for a number of reasons. The first one being um, Baltimore will try and run the ball. They'll try and chew up the clock. They'll try and control the game at home. Um, second reason is Carson Wentz seemingly has 50 pass attempts most weeks. <laughs> Um, and if if he if he plans on having that on the road against Baltimore, he's probably going to be on his back a few times. I think a um, couple other things as well. Baltimore, the scoreline's a little bit flattering. I think um, thirty to twenty three on Monday Night Football. They were embarrassed to be honest. They really should have been beaten by double digits. Um, mm. They were never in, really in the game, aside from probably a little seven or eight minute stretch where the Patriots essentially just let them slip in. Um, and I, I don't think. Uh, that that would have sat too well with with the Ravens organisation, who were, were very keen on themselves heading to that matchup. And I think going back home against an inferior opponent, who's only won one of their last seven, they'll be keen to make a bit of a statement game. Um, yeah, obviously, with the division implications, with the Steelers sort of yeah. hovering around as well. So there's, there's just there's too much to play for. And I think um, you know if you're out there and you, you're looking for a, a defence, we'll probably speak about them later. Another one you could consider for sure because um, I, I can see this game being controlled by the Ravens' defense and the Ravens' run game, which you mentioned. Yeah, and also the fact that the Ravens' uh, run defense is the number one in the entire NFL and is you know on a historic rate. Although they did let Legarrette Blount sort of steamroll them a little bit last week, but he's a totally different back and brings a whole different you know set of skills to the table than what the uh, Eagles' running backs have. I've done very similar to you in, in I've thrown the Saints running backs in together, a very similar uh, thing here for my sit. And I just, uh, I don't like the matchup this week for the Saints at Arizona. Um, you know, Ingram and Hightower, they just vulture each other in terms of touches and, and their fantasy value. 
it's very rare to see them both have huge games. It's either one or the other, unless they're playing San Fran. So this this defense is is very good. They're seventh ranked in run defense in DVOA, and Blount's the only the only guy to have double digit fantasy points against the Cardinals when they've been at been at home this season. So I, I just can't see myself starting Mark Ingram or Tim Hightower this week. Yep, no, that's a very valid point. Um, I think Matthews drew back into the Cardinals lineup this week as well, isn't he? Um, defensively there. Yes, uh, yeah, the Honey Badger should be back as well, so that that rounds up that defense quite well, and they've been very, very, very solid. And you know, the Cardinals aren't as bad as what their record suggests. They've been a little bit sloppy on offense, but the defense has has kept them in games for for a lot of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're still the third uh, ranked DVOA. Uh, defensive team and their statistics at home across the board are remarkably better than what they have been on the road, particularly on the East Coast. So yep. that's a bit of a trap game for me for Saints players as well. Um, my contrarian play, well, you know, I thought it was going to be a bit of a contrarian play until the last sort of 24 hours when he seems to be uh, high on the radar of everyone all of a sudden. But that yep. is uh, Kenny Farrow, Kenneth Farrow, who is likely to gain the starting job uh, in San Diego, he's only 4,000, so you can uh, really pair him with a premium if you like. Um, obviously, you know, he's going to get a stack of opportunities, but I think the other underlying little thing here is uh, pretty certain from watching him over the last couple of weeks, Philip Rivens is, isn't 100% healthy. No, uh, he, he looks injured. Massively. Yeah, a little bit like what you said before with the players playing for um, Marvin Jones. There's a little bit of that in San Diego. Obviously, you know, had the... The break's fallen their way a little bit. They probably could have been in playoff contention. They're in arguably one of the tougher divisions and yep. lost a lot of those close games. So they're playing for a little bit of pride because their season's been better than what it's going to look on paper. And I think that's part of the reason why Rivers is still out there, although he doesn't really look himself. So I'm quite keen on this position, regardless of who we're going to line up. And it just so happens to get a player at 4,000. So... Um, I can see them relying on him uh, quite a lot and being incorporated in the passing game and all sorts of creative things that Rivers can do. So I think um, he's, you, you just have to, absolutely have to have some exposure on him. And um, at 4,000, as I said, it does allow you to load up and pair him with a, a more yeah. reliable option. Yeah. yeah, and you'll probably see a high ownership percentage for Farrow because um, he was going to be my start of the week because it's just, look, Farrow might not be the most talented back uh, on on the planet, I'm just reading a little bit about his uh, tenure in Houston in college and and things like that. But just that role there that they play, it's just we saw it last week when when Gordon went down. What Farrow was able to do, and he just you know six receptions and and plenty of carries. It's just high volume, and that's what you want in fantasy um, in a matchup that they'll be either behind or or going toe to toe with in a shootout against Oakland. So you can expect expect plenty of points, but there is that high ownership percentage that's a worry. But I think, um, you know, if you're smart with what you do with your other picks, it can still be a point of difference for you. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you are playing in a cash game or, you you know, a small league or something like that, you, you really probably are at a disadvantage if you don't play um, in yeah. terms of just raw numbers and projections. Of course, if you can afford to, to put a few uh, GPP entries out there or, you know, a couple of the smaller buy-ins without him, um, and, you know, and try and take on that sort of public public mm. uh, weight he's going to have. That's something you should look to do for sure. But um, yeah. 
you would be a, you'd be a brave man to leave him out at that price. Exactly, and uh, I agree that that was why he was going to be my start. But I saw him on the dock, so I thought I'd uh, I'd move on to my uh, I bumped my contrarian up to my start, which which was Kenneth Dixon, who I who I rate highly uh, this week. But Farrow is probably my number one play at running back. Uh, my other player that I like this week is Isaiah Crowell. Uh, because of what we just saw Le'Veon Bell do to this this Bills run defense last week, and Isaiah Crowell, you know, despite how bad the the Browns have been, and and you know it has been awful, and how and that was seriously so bad under Robert Griffin the third last week, but it seems like it it helps Crowell because he's averaging twelve fantasy points in the two games that RG three has been under center. The Bills have allowed ten touchdowns to running backs in the past seven games, and uh, you know. They've allowed at least five, uh, five guys to score at least ten points over that span as well. So I think Crowell could be a really, you know, big difference maker for you because you look at the matchup and and the Browns and no one really wants to play any of the Browns because you just can't confidently get behind them. But um, I think Crowell can be is a rock for them at the moment, and I expect plenty of usage. And I think you'll find the end zone. Uh, I, I find the line of ten a little bit too high. I think the Browns can. Remain competitive if RG3 cannot be that bad again uh, this week. I, I I don't know. Maybe he could be, but I just can't see it. It was probably the, one of the worst quarterback games I've ever seen. Yeah, no, it was awful um, and predictably awful, mind you. Yeah. Um, of, of the three games this week with double-digit spreads, that's, that's the one for me certainly that um, has the most potential to stay close. And the other thing with Crowell, you probably didn't mention that even aids in his case. I think he has big play, big play potential. Um, yeah, he's one, of, he's one of them running backs that can just kind of do funny things and bounce off multiple tackles and and turn a seven yard carry into eighty and a touchdown. Um, so he, at the price, he really does have that sort of uh, high floor, high floor, high ceiling. Sorry. Yep. Um, and, and yeah, he'll he'll get plenty of opportunities, particularly in the red zone, where I can be very confident that they won't be trusting Robert Griffin with the football nah. too much. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I, I can see him potentially having a twenty twenty plus um, point game, and he's definitely worth some exposure in some of those wide out leagues. Yeah, so we've given you plenty of options there at running back, and depending what you do at quarterback, you can uh, spend up a little bit big for McCoy or go cheap with you know Dixon and, and Farrow there. Um, but we're safely avoiding the Saints and Philadelphia backfields, all things considered. Moving on to the wide receiver position, my start this week is Jamison Crowder. Um, I'm a big fan of Jamison Crowder. I think he's I think he's yep. a really great young player, and he's he's just so good after the catch. Um, reminds me of Golden Tate after the catch. He's one of the best yak uh, wide receivers in the NFL. But Crowder's uh you know there's only seven players that have more yards after the catch than Crowder, and he faces a Panthers team that's allowed the third most yards after carry to receivers um, at 134.7 per game, which is huge. Um, I just think he has huge upside this week in that matchup. Uh, uh, Kirk Cousins seems to always have his best games on prime time, which I find really funny um, how that how that works. But it's it, it just seems that he has a prime time game and he must play up because he knows he's going to get more money from it. I don't know, but I like Crowder this week. Yeah, that's that's a fair shout. I, I must say that um, Kirk was pretty high on my. Uh tier one of quarterbacks and, and certainly will have some exposure on him as well. I, um, I like the matchup. Um, Crowders probably gets a good spot as well facing like Carolina without Keekly running around, um, yeah. chasing down those slot receivers. So that, that'll, that'll be a nice nice change up for him. Um, you spoke of yards after the catch and 
I don't think there'd be many better than my man Odell Beckham Jr., who is my top-ranked receiver, along with Antonio Brown. But I've opted to start Jordy Nelson, just purely in terms of uh, of that sort of top bracket. He's probably the best value. Um, he, he just gets so many red zone targets. Um, we know the connection he has with Aaron Rodgers. They're good mates. They it seems to be safety valve. If plays break down and, and things don't go right, they just seem to have that sort of uh, intuition where they, they they know where each other needs to be. Jordy seems to get into the sweet spots for Aaron. I think he's scored touchdowns in all but three games this year. He scored below 10 in Moneyball only twice. Um, so that's mm. you know a, a, a pretty solid uh, floor there. And you know he's going to get red zone targets. I think he scored over 23 times. He scored late 10, four times. Yeah, and his uh, his ownership yeah. probably won't be that high because everyone will be looking at Devontae Adams, who's you know uh, you know as uh, Zoolander the quote there is so hot right now. But um, yes. I think Nelson could be a, a really good pod for for anyone that wants to spend up big. Yeah, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this week, I think the top tier of wide receivers um, is fraught with a little bit of danger. Obviously, AJ Green is. Um, just a maybe for this week, and, and Julio Jones is, is the same. And then Antonio Brown and Odell, I can't uh, get up their projections to, to warrant their price. Mike Evans is playing in Dallas against a team who will control the clock and play slow, so I'm a little bit wary of him. And mm. um, I'm about to talk about uh, sitting T.Y. Hilton, so that's how I've ended up landing on uh, Nelson at the top there because he was sort of the, uh, the path of least resistance, and I can save some cash. Yeah. What's your thoughts on Mike Evans? Because that's another elite option, and you know, up against Dallas, we just saw Odell Beckham go off big, and it was only on, you know, one catch. And Evans has been a guy that's seen so many targets this week. If if you don't feel as comfortable for Nelson at that top tier, does does Evans entice you a little bit? Well, I'll say this: I've been very impressed with Mike Evans this year. I think he's turned into an absolute yeah. elite receiver. I think, um, I think but... he's having an all pro season, to be honest. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, he's had a better season than Odell, to be honest, and yep. I'm a big Odell fan. Um, the one thing I will say about that game, from a player props and DFS perspective, I'm happy just to sort of fade the whole game, to be honest. Um, yep. I think one of the things Dallas did wrong in New York, they seemed rushed. They didn't really get to play their style, and it's probably credit to the Giants and um, especially Spagnola, what he did defensively. But I think they'll get back to what they uh, have done well. I think they'll play slow. I think they'll use the clock. I think they'll use Zeke. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, if you look at the numbers, Tampa Bay also like to play slow. Um, yep. So I, I can see that game being sort of a war of attrition, a battle of who can hold on to the clock the longest. Um, and I'm happy sort of to take on the likes of Evans, Bryant, Elliott, um, Dougie Martin, and even probably to a lesser extent, your man Cameron Bright. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a game. It's a game I'm gonna sort of tread carefully, and I definitely don't want to have too much exposure on. Yeah. So you mentioned Ty Hilton as a sit this week. Obviously, it's the matchup against uh, Xavier Rhodes and that Minnesota defense. It is, yeah. And it's it's also uh, I think the Colts are done for the season, mate. I, uh, I think I, I think they were done three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I'm a little bit worried about that. I know he, he sort of rallied last week, and he's a very good player, and I actually I do like him a lot. Um, yeah. I think he wrote some really good points on the pod with RJ uh, yesterday about the lack of criticism um, towards uh, the man up in Seattle, whereas everyone's sort of been on Luck's case a little bit. Um, yep. Yeah, it, it, it's a tricky spot. Obviously, Minnesota don't do a lot of great things offensively, but they're still 
you know, in the elite conversation defensively. Um, yeah. It's, a, a, again, a bit of a trap game for me. I don't, I don't really want to get involved with too many players on either team. Yeah. Um, and yeah, T. White at the price. Um, I think I think there's enough sort of mid-range wide receivers of good value. You mentioned Crowder, yep. obviously like Nelson, and then there's a couple of others that I'm I'm sort of happy to weave in. Yeah, uh, I I uh, I like Nelson this week as well. Uh, I like that's why I'm fading Randall Cobb as well. Uh, he's my sit this week at six thousand seven hundred versus Chicago. Uh, I view Randall Cobb as Tavon Austin before you pay tax. Um, I like that. Yeah, I, he's just, you know, a rich man's... I can't say rich man's Tavon Austin because Tavon Austin is rich now. Um, so I, I went with the before taxes uh, line there. And I, I don't think Randall Cobb's um, that good at football uh, anymore. I, uh, I don't even know if he was good to begin with. Uh, you know, he had that really, really good season, but how much of that was was just Aaron Rodgers being brilliant and that was, you know, Aaron Rodgers' you know, pinnacle season really... Um, and now he's being outplayed by, you know, Ty Montgomery, Devontae Adams, and Jordy Nelson, and I, I don't like Randall Cobb at his price. I'd rather go with my contrarian play, and that's uh, Taylor Gabriel at 6,200 versus Carolina. Now, this is only a contrarian play if uh, Julio and Mohamed Sanu are out. If, we, if both of them are back in, then I'll probably... We'll move on and, and favor Adam Thielen at five thousand eight hundred versus Indy. I know you didn't, you don't want too many players from from that game, but um, Thielen's had at least you know nine half point PPR points in six straight games, and he's only had two touchdowns. So I feel like a touchdown's around the corner for him, and he's probably been playing a lot better than Stefan Diggs lately. And the Colts yep. defense, I'm, I'm well aware of their failures, uh, watching them each and every week. So I am feeling good about Adam Thielen this week. Yeah, no, I'm feeling that pick. That's a that's a good little pick. I like um I like the option of getting away from Diggs. Um, yep. As you would know better than most, um, Indy do have a corner who is considerably better than most of the other help um, statistically, and I think a lot of teams have sort of uh, championed and campaigned their way out of Stefan Diggs. Has probably played into a couple of other Bradford options' hands. So, yep. um, if if I was going to play in that game, he's certainly the value option and. Um, it's interesting you mentioned Julio, obviously with Gabriel about Mohamed Sanu. Uh, what is your thoughts on Julio? I know we're probably going to have a look at the um, the practice reports, but at this stage, uh, I'm leaning towards him playing, probably sort of like a 70-30, maybe a 60-40 chance he plays. Yeah, and I, I'm worried though that, you know, if he, and this is funny because he was questionable leading up to the last time he played Carolina. Uh, sorry, yeah, they're playing San Fran, but the last time he was questionable leading up to Carolina, he had that. 300 yard game and this this could be the case where we think he might be used as a decoy and because of the matchup he could actually go off for 300 yards so it is tough like if he is playing and and healthy it's hard to to leave him out because it's a good uh you know handcuff with your your start there at quarterback but I just don't know how much we're going to see of Julio and I think this is a matchup you know they just beat the Rams defense without him Maybe they, they know that they're in a position where they don't have to play Julio Jones and they could be a little bit more cautious with them. And uh, you could you could just go with, roll with Sanu and, and Gabriel and rely on, on your running backs and in Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman in this matchup. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's an intriguing one. Obviously, with AJ Green, has been rumoured as being a, a possible returner to um, uh, the Bengals lineup this week. You're looking at probably two of the top five receivers in the league. They're going yeah. to have massive fancy implications. Yeah. So um, keep an eye on your Twitter timelines and follow yeah. Wooten Weiss so you can get the latest on the uh, <laughs> Thank you. injury reports there. 
<laughs> who's uh, who's your contrarian player? You touched on Emmanuel Sanders earlier on in the podcast. I had a feeling you were going to bring him up again. Yeah, now I am. He's sort of a part one of my contrarian for wide receiver, um, partly because I think he's I think he's established himself as the number one guy. Um, not so much the number one player, but I think he's the number one guy in terms of um, he, he just seems to get open more often. Um, he seems to find himself in better spots for them. And I think the running game has got to the stage in Denver where they might just essentially do what New York did for a while there and, and just do the bare minimum and try and win this in the air. Um, I, I, against New England, they're not going to be able to get by by this isn't going to be a 13-10 game, put it that way. They're going to need to score 20 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned earlier that I think New England will win comfortably, so I don't want to have too much exposure on Sanders. But if Denver are to play them close or even win the game, um, Sanders will score a touchdown. I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. Um, yep. I liked it. I liked the matchup this week. Uh, and I think he is the Denver player you want. But my A1 contrarian pick is actually a guy who I was unfortunately stuck with in fantasy for most of the year, and that is Sammy Watkins, who is <laughs> now down at the 6,600 mark. Very uh, cheap. On yeah, so I think if you, um, if anyone out there takes your advice and gets the start for Tyrod Taylor, the obvious uh, stack would be to put in Watkins. Um, I, I, I think the organisation probably owes it to him to give him a big game. I know that sounds a bit weird, but... Against no, Cleveland, you know, like that, he's going to have plenty of opportunities. Put it that way. I think this is a game where, if the Bills lose, Rex will probably lose his job. I think, um, it, you know, if you look at the the chances, they're probably a ninety percent chance of winning. So we probably don't need to worry about that. Mm. Uh, but I do think, as I mentioned earlier, with with all these big things on the line, I think they'll let this game sort of. Uh, rest in the stars' hands. I think they'll run it with McCoy a lot, and I think when they air it out, they'll um, they'll go to Watkins, who certainly doesn't look the same player as what he was in his peak. Um, for for whatever reason, I think confidence has probably got as much to do with it as anything. But I do think he'll get his chances, and he's only scored one touchdown all year. And I think he might uh, he might he might visit the end zone again. I think he scored last week, so yep. I can see him going um, hundred plus yards and and hopefully a, a meat pie or two. We'll wait and see. Uh, another like stack with Tyrod Taylor is Charles Clay. I don't mind uh, that sort of stack or, or combo uh, if, you, if you're going down that avenue, but he's not my start at tight end. I'm starting Antonio Gates, 6,000 versus Oakland. Last time he played Oakland, he found the end zone. He had uh, uh, four catches for 30 yards uh, on five targets and, and a touchdown, and Oakland's allowed six tight ends to score at least uh, eight or nine fantasy points now in the past nine games. And you've got to bear in mind as well that he's still trying to break that tight end touchdown record as well. Hunter Henry stolen a few the last few weeks, but I think now this might be the only thing that they can play for with their season over is, is getting those uh, getting that touchdown record. So um, Phil Rivers definitely knows that, that he wants that and he wants to get it with Gates. So uh, that's something to that I'm looking at, and I think Gates is a good option at $6,000. So I, I like that matchup if it's... If I'm not playing your uh, your start, you got in first, so I, I couldn't jot down uh, the old catching Kelsey. Yeah, well, I know you're trying to make America Gates again. I don't, I don't mind that. <laughs> I don't mind that little ploy. Um, but yes, for me, certainly the number one projected tight end for me this week 
is uh, who I think RJ described perfectly as the poor man's Gronk on um, last week's show. Yep. And I, I think that does sum up uh, Travis Kelsey very well. I think 7,200 against um, a Titans pasties is relatively average, but what they can do is sort of disrupt the quarterback at times, which should mean that uh, Smitty gets rid of it early enough to sort of favour Kelsey's routes. Um, I think that, yeah, he's the safest pick on the board. He can score touchdowns. He can get yards after the catch. You know he's going to get a lot of targets. Um, And in terms of sort of your your roving banker to sort of base a lot of your lineups around at tight end, I think if you've got the cash there, Kelsey is a good option. Yeah, I think he's a guy that you you should have in your lineup, and uh, I'll be uh, favouring him in, in most of my plays this week. Uh, my sit this week is uh, is my guy Dwayne Allen, four thousand four hundred versus Minnesota. Horrible matchup, um, and you know with Dante Moncrief likely to miss some game time, you'll see a lot more two tight end sets where Allen's used to block more, and Jack Doyle's you know used in the possession game as a possession receiver and a move the chains type of guy. So I feel like uh, Jack Doyle will see more of that that passing targets and and the ball thrown his way rather than uh, Dwayne Allen. And uh, the Vikings have only allowed, you know, two touchdowns all season to tight ends. And Allen relies heavily on, uh, t- like most tight ends, heavily on uh, touchdowns to to uh, get a majority of his points. But I don't like Dwayne Allen this week. Okay. Yeah, no, that's 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 a fair shout. They're um tricky, tricky team to get a handle on on your Colts. I, uh, I struggled at, to, to find them each week. They're almost like a, uh, a poor man's... New Orleans Saints in terms of their mm. receiving options at times for me. So yep, I agree with I'll, that. I'll endorse that Dwayne Allen sit. Uh, for me, I'm sitting Delaney Walker. Interesting. Um, uh, not not because I think he's an awful play, just because I think there's better value on the board. Um, he's 7,000. I think in the contrarian stage, I'll list um, three players that I think are better value and I'm projecting around the same level. Who are they? Um, uh, they will be Ebron, Ertz, and Bright. Okay. Um, but yet the the main reason I'm sort of against Delaney Walker is because he, he's listed as a tight end, but he really lines up in a lot of wide receiver positions. Um, he runs a lot of wide receiver routes, and I'm not too sure that Mariota is going to have enough time in the pocket to let many of these routes develop. Um, the, the Chiefs, uh, you know, are going really well. Um, they're sort of building momentum, um, and I can see Justin Houston getting to Mariota quite a lot, um, and I think that the main beneficiary from that perspective will probably be DeMarco Murray um, as Mariota sort of panics and sort of dumps it off quick. Um, so given the way that Walker sort of sets up, sort of playing more of a a wide receiver's version of a tight end a lot of the time, and he also sits out a lot of plays because he's so unfit, and if he does have a large <laughs> route, he normally just goes to the sideline, if you haven't noticed. Um, yeah. So he, he's a tricky man. I always find seem to find him, but this week I am going to put a pen through him and, and hope he, he has a shutout. There we go. All right, so you mentioned your three contrarian players. Of the three, who's who's the one that you like the most? Yeah, the one I like the most is Eric Ebron against my Giants. Um for a few reasons, I think that um, obviously we mentioned with Stafford, I, I was quite keen to take him on this week because I'm a little bit worried about him playing with the glove. Um, yep. The few times he has in the past, he's played poorly. Uh, the main reason, though, because the Giants are at home, the Giants' defense has looked very good at home, and part of the reason why that defense has looked good at home is because uh, Spags has dialed up a lot of pressure, and a lot of pressure that's come from Jonathan Casillas. Um, and Landon Collins. Yep. 
Uh, so we're talking about a strong safety or a, a free roving safety and, and, and a key linebacker. So I can see um, some holes over the middle for Ebron to exploit, um, especially if Stafford's got to get it, get rid of the ball quickly. Mm. Uh, Giants fans will definitely endorse the fact that we haven't traditionally defended the tight end position overly well. Um, Jason Witten has formed a career out of exploiting our uh, deficiencies in that area. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I've seen that many a time. Yeah, and I think at 6,000, Eric Ebron uh, deserves some uh, yep. exposure, and he's my second best play. And he's a far more athletic guy than Jason Witten at this point, and uh, yeah, he's a bit of a freak athlete, the old Ebron. You've got to also factor in Anquan Bolden's pretty good in the middle of the field as well, so um, that could True. that could be a nice cheap option for you as well, but there's plenty of other wide receivers we favour. Uh, my instru- uh, my uh, uh, contrarian plays Jermaine Gresham uh, at uh, 4,300 versus New Orleans. Uh, I, I really like the matchup now, especially now that uh, Michael Floyd is no longer a part of the team. Uh, I think that Gresham's going to see a lot more targets. He's had five catches now in three straight games, and he's had seven or more half point half PPR points in uh, four straight games. And New Orleans is 25th in DVOA against tight ends. Uh, I don't I don't need more than that to sell me on Jermaine Gresham. Uh, given now that uh, Arizona have lost Michael Floyd. Yeah, that's a, a good point. And I think Arizona, obviously, J.J. Nelson will step in and get some targets at receiving position. But he's probably more of a deep threat slash um, uh, kind of weird situation receiver, whereas yep. Gresham is, is, is much more of your sort of safety net option. He's going to be there or thereabouts in a lot of plays. Yeah. So I can see that at the price. He's certainly uh, w- worth a nibble if you need to save some money at that position. Yep. Uh, you'll see a lot of my trends now with this uh, with my lineups this week is I'm taking... Uh, I don't have much faith in the Colts, and I'm taking the defense here at $6,000, the Vikings defense, that is, against the Indianapolis Colts. And there's a few reasons... Uh, the Colts quarterbacks have been sacked 40, 40 times this season. That's uh, 30th in the NFL. Uh, the Vikings have sacked quarterbacks 35 times this season, so they're third in the NFL in sacks, up against the 30th team in sacks allowed. And they're also fourth in NFL in the in the league in sack percentage, 13th in interceptions, and they're sixth in the league in pick sixes. I can see them getting up into Andrew's face and possibly seeing a ball pop up uh, from that and, and getting it picked off and uh, taken to the house. I just see um, multiple hits on Andrew Luck. I, I feel sorry for him, and I cross my fingers that there's no kidney damage or or anything serious and that he just survives uh, this matchup this week. Yeah, you've just made an excellent case, and it's going to make me go and reconsider starting him over uh, my other option at quarterback, which is Ben Roethlisberger in my uh, fantasy yeah, my season-long fantasy final this week. Yep. Um, at defense, for me, I've kept it very simple this week. Um, there's three games where a team is heavily favored. Uh, obviously, we spoke about the 49ers and the Falcons earlier. Uh, Falcons defense, I'm not completely sold on. I think they'll force turnovers, but they'll also give up points. So focusing in on the Seahawks and the Bills, the Bills against the Browns for obvious reasons, yep. getting to play against... Uh, RG3 for four quarters will be an incredible bonus for them. Um, but my number number one pick at defense is the Seahawks playing at home tomorrow if you're in a uh, an all-weekend. Yep. Yeah, Hail, Hail Mary sort of set up. I think the total's only at 38. They're favored by double digits. And uh, 
Jared Goff playing in Seattle sounds like an excellent recipe for me. So you can maybe p- play them in your Hail Mary and then and then chuck the Bills in um, in just a Sunday slate. So yep. that's who I'm going to play the defensive side of the ball this week. Yep. The team total for the Rams is set at about 10.5 at this point. So uh, they're not expecting a lot of points uh, <laughs> at, the, at the clink. All right, let's wrap things up with the kicker now. And I'm going with Nick Novak, 4,800 versus Jacksonville. Uh, my reason is, if you've listened to this show all season long, start your kickers against Jacksonville. Uh, Kai Forbath had 13 points last week. The Jags are, are pretty stingy in red zone defense and force a few field goals. It's just unfortunate their quarterback is just, you know, terrible and he's just not producing the goods to keep them competitive. So um, the Jacksonville defense isn't isn't that bad and they're, uh, they're, they're number one against the kicker this season in terms of um, points allowed. So I like that. Even though Novak only had six the last time, it's probably one of the lowest scores for a kicker against Jacksonville. So I'm expecting uh, plenty more in this one. Yeah, I think Jacksonville have an underrated secondary that sort of takes away a lot of those deep deep plays, doesn't it? So yep. you're for- forcing teams underneath quite a lot and it shouldn't be too hard to force uh, the Brock Lobster underneath. So yep. I can, I can see that option working out for me. I've gone with a guy um, who's been much maligned given his draft position, but uh, his money ball price is only 4000 and that is Roberto Aguero. Um, I've, I've got a little theory behind it. I do like the fact he's playing in the Dome. Uh, as we get towards this end of the season, I think it is one of the, it's you know, it's a safer option normally if you can find a guy who's away from the elements. But I do think also, um, as I mentioned earlier with the Cowboys, I, I, I think they'll change their game style considerably to last week. I think they'll try and control the game, play it more on their terms. And when Tampa Bay have the ball, I expect them to try and take Mike Evans out of the game. I expect coverage over the back. I expect double teams in line of scrimmage. Um, I, I think they'll play very safe, and I think it'll allow a number of opportunities for field goals um, for the stud draft pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and perhaps he can repay a little bit of fan base uh, faith and and land some field goals for me this week. It's only four thousand. I think it's um, one of the cheaper guys on the board, and yeah. basically it's a bit of a roll of the dice position. But I'd rather take um, less risk with the price in that in that instance. Yep, yeah, I've played him a few times as well, and he's paid off for me. I've managed to pick him in some good weeks, and he's he's. Uh, you know, uh, served me well uh, despite his uh, failures for the for the Bucks and um, you know maybe for his agent as well. But um, all right, let's uh, that that wraps up the show pretty much. That's uh, that's all our starts, sits, and contrarian plays for all the major positions for Moneyball. Uh, you can play Moneyball on www.moneyball.com.au. You can sign up. Um, as I said, there's a free hail mary, so you don't even have to invest money. You can actually enter in the free roll. Win that and just go from there if you want. So you can pretty much build a DFS empire without even paying a cent. So it's worth the shot. A bit of fun. Makes football even funner uh, while you're watching Red Zone on a Monday morning here in Australia. And uh, before we let we go, before we wrap things up, I just want to thank Jake for uh, joining us and, and giving us uh, his input. Uh, and uh, if people want to uh, speak to you about NFL and... Uh, whatever they want to talk to you about anything else uh where can people find you and uh anything you can plug on the show yeah no nothing to plug mate this is all about you boys but if anyone wants to continue the uh nfl debate i'm just jw henson underscore on twitter and i'll be ranting about something giants related come Landon sunday Collins. for sure 
<laughs> yeah, that, that there won't be a rant. That'll be just an appreciation society created. Yeah. I think you are you are the president of the Landon Collins Society, and uh, it's a good society. Uh, I'm I'm a part of it. I'm a big Landon Collins fan. I, I, was, I was the only one in the society for quite some time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the case. Uh, that was like me with Cameron Brait back in uh, June and July, and now everyone's a part of the society, so it, it's fun. It's all good. Um, I want to thank, yeah, I want to thank you for joining us on the show, and uh, hopefully we can cash this week and uh, onwards and upwards towards the uh, end of the season. Not many seasons left uh, in Moneyball. As always, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at JYNFL. You can follow the show at Wooten Y. We're on Twitter as well. Uh, sorry, we're on Facebook as well, The Wooten Y Show. You can also read our work on a website called fantasystars.com.au and sign up and play Moneyball with Jazz.